Oh, quasi, oh, quasi, you came and delivered me a turkey. And now I replaced you with Kunti. Oh, quasi, oh, quasi, goodbye. Are you, are you, are you allowed to say that on the radio? Uh, yes, Luke, I am. And this <laughs> is it could be said, the very last it could be said of Liz Truss's <laughs> premiership, because we're probably going to take, well, a few days off at the very least. Um, Doctor Luke Middup, how are you today? I'm I'm staggered that you can say such a thing on a podcast. We're going to get a parental warning for that. I um, mean, yes, but just yeah. <laughs> and we're also joined by Mas- by Master Simon Alvey. How are you today, Simon? It's been ages since you've done that joke. So, well, <laughs> I, I'm 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 good. I, I I don't. I'm not that confident this will be the last podcast of Liz Truss's career, but you know. Of her yeah. premiership. She's got no. a long, long career at the Heritage Foundation ahead of her. No, no, I, I still, I think, I anyway, they, they, we, we will discuss this, but no, it's, yes, I am here. I'm excited, I'm excited. I've never I've never had a parental warning against my, you know, I, I, I've never had a parental warning against my work before, so that's, that's new, this is new and interesting. That's not what the Ukrainians say, Simon. I don't, know what to say to that. I don't know what to say to that. Actually, <laughs> so we were talking about this offline. Before we get on to a current politician that's about to become a former politician, let's talk about another former politician. <laughs> I, so what? So basically, rather than talking about how the economy's fucked, you want to talk about how people who can't get fucked are indirectly giving Nick Clegg money. So he can fuck over OnlyFans com- uh, competitors. In a word, yes. <laughs> we're gonna have more. We're gonna have more parental guidances than Deadpool. The way we're going, <laughs> Luke. Please constrain your potty mouth. Come on, it's, man. It's just this like is I'm, a professional operation. I'm I'm fa- I'm fascinated by this because not for the reasons you think. But it's like Nick Clegg. Luke, please show where your hands are while recording this podcast. Nick Clegg, look back across the Atlantic. Saw David Cameron getting in all sorts of trouble with slightly shady businessmen and shady payment and tax arrangements and thought, you know what? I want a bit of that. No, this is worse. Like this is this isn't like shady tax arrangements. This is like the accusation is straight to bribery for people who haven't seen this. There is a court case rumbling on, I don't know who from, but from like various um, OnlyFans competitors saying (laughs) that senior Facebook officials are taking bribes to um, disadvantage OnlyFans competitors in favor of OnlyFans. The reason why they hit Nick Clegg is Nick Clegg is very heavily involved in Facebook's moderation policies. So it would make sense that he'd be involved. And this came out because, and by the way, I, I can talk to this because in a previous job, I actually had to redact documents. Um, and ha, ha, what's the common mistake people make it when redacting documents? I mean, I'm assuming it's basically bl- blanking out the wrong thing, so it's still identifiable. No. Is it that? Is it that thing where you don't blank it out properly? So if you hold it up to a window, you can see through it. 
the, the mistake you make is is what you do is when you're when you're redacting documents, you blank out the master copy, you then photocopy that, and that's what you give to other people. If you just blank out um, um, the original and then give that to other people, yeah, they can do either the, the physical equivalent of holding it up to sunlight or they can, you know, hack the Word document um, and, 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 get, and get the information that, the other way. And that's basically what happened with this, is that they didn't redact the documents properly. The, the, the information they did not want to come out in terms of names of people was still there for people to get access to. And so people have seen that the, accu the accusation allegedly is that Nick Clegg and other senior meta um, executives were, cipher were receiving payments to uh, secret bank accounts. In the case of Nick Clegg, the, se the, the secret bank account was in the name of one of his one of his children. Like it is literally what was happening to Mike in in Breaking Bad. Wow, Nick Clegg is my German trap. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a video essay if ever you wanted one. <laughs> Um, I, I, I can't quite get my head around this because I always, I always, you know, say what you want about Nick Clegg, the politician, but I always got the sense that Nick Clegg as a person was quite a stand up guy. This was my sense. This is my, this was my sense reading this story it was like, I mean, firstly, he is very senior in Meta. He reports to Mark Zuckerberg. You know, he is surely earning more money than most of us will ever even think, dream about. I don't, I, you know, it's not like he's a member of the Lib Dems where, you know, I mean, A, why anyone would want to bribe the leader of the Lib Dems, certainly before 2010, is, is questionable. But, like, he surely is earning more money than he'll ever know. His wife is a lawyer. So, again, earning more money than most of us will ever know. What, why Why is he doing this? And I also, yeah, I, I thought, I've always thought that, you know, I just, you know, I disagreed with many things Nick Clegg did as Lib Dem leader, particularly as Deputy Prime Minister, but, like, I always kind of thought he genuinely did believe it. It's not like, you know, certain members of the government of who we could speak, but... I think... I mean, are, you, are you surprised by this, Will? No. Really? Because he works for Meta. Uh, if, if if he was a stand-up guy who really cared about what he was doing to the world, if he didn't want to just grasp for money for money's sake, why the fuck is he working for that awful company? But, no, it's, it's, not as if he, it's not as if he needs the money to work for Meta. Um, mm -hmm. you, you know, like he's clearly a grasping sod. And the problem with being a grasping sod is the higher up you get the higher up your baseline gets and the more money you want. So if he sees uh, you all the other... Like, you mean your, your, your taste expands to fill your pockets? Well, that, but also just who you compare yourself to is, oh, they're getting 20 grand for this. Why don't I get 20 grand for this? Allegedly, by accusation, by other people, not me, or it could be media. 
Um, so <laughs> the media is not a thing, by the way. Listeners, it's just an inside joke. Yes. It's please, it's please, please, please send all legal correspondence to Dr. Luke Middup's home address. That is yeah. where, that is, yes! Dr. What do you Luke mean, Mid- yes? Dr. Dr. Luke Middup, chair of the University of St. Andrews. Then it'll look like I'm getting loads of, then it'll look, look like I'm getting loads of ju- articles in journals. <laughs> please, any lawyers listen to that, don't do that. Also, uh, if you're interested in this, there is a really good book that actually, I mean, it doesn't focus exclusively on Nick Clegg at Facebook, but Nick Clegg is a significant character in it um, that I read earlier this year. It's called An Ugly Truth. Uh, It's by uh, Shira Frankel and Cecilia King, who are two um, tech correspondents with the New York Times. It's a really interesting book on how uh, Meta slash Facebook works as a company and all the terrible things they're responsible for. It, it it's particularly good at looking how uh, looking at how Facebook is used to drive um, violence in the developing world. There's a particularly good chapter on um, Facebook's really destructive role in the Rohingya conflict in Burma. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's came yeah. out more. Uh, I think I've read it stuff in the Atlantic. Is it the same author as the Atlantic articles? Um, I don't know. As I say, it's um, Shara Frankel and Cecilia King. Uh, I, I've read, I read stuff in the Atlantic about stuff like that. Yeah. But, but, but basically, no, I'm not surprised Nick Clegg is up to this stuff. Well, I suppose I'm not shocked. It's probably a better way of putting it in the sense of it's. Um, him going to a company. The thing, the thing with Facebook, we'll get onto the meta rebranding yeah. soon. Is it's just it is raging against the fact that it is a mature technology that it is going to make so much money, and should just be happy with that. Instead, it is constantly trying to do these moonshot theories to make more money, and it's incredibly destructive. Like, I don't think, if you're not interested or involved in journalism, I don't think people realize just how destructive um, Facebook has been. So for those who don't know, um, Facebook, to be frank, lied about the the how many people were watching their videos and the click-through rate of their videos and the advertising revenue that could be gained from those videos and use that to encourage news outlets all over the world to pivot to video to guts really good written newsrooms in favor of producing very expensive content, when it then turned out that all the statistics this pivot was based on were, like I said, like were flat-out lies. Facebook just walked away from the entire project and left the newsrooms holding a bag. They then tried to make up for it by doing some investment in written news stories. 
they then abandoned that as well. Again, leaving newsrooms, holding a bag. Like they that that they are a really, really destructive company. And like if you made me if you made me king for the day, prime minister for the day, I would oh I'd ban TikTok first, but I would definitely ban Facebook second. Um I know like if, if you had in my dream scenario why I was like, you know, the Prime Minister of the insurgent party that takes over in 2016 after Brexit. I would be like working with the BBC to reverse engineer Facebook so you could then you could safely turn it off in a few years' time. It's a really, really destructive company. And if and, and if like if, if anybody who works for it who has an alternative choice. It's scum. You know, you're working for the enemy. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you have but, an alternative. But, 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 Will, I happen to know for a fact you've got a Facebook account. Yes. Well, yes, because this is a problem with This is why I say, no, you couldn't turn it off in a day. You would need to work to replace its functionality. Now, to be fair. And, and this podcast is organized through WhatsApp. Which is opened by well, uh, well, here's yeah. So like WhatsApp, like one of the worst antitrust decisions ever. And you know, like um, I'm a big fan of Matthew Iglesias. No, we didn't know that. Will well, yeah, that's listeners, a, that's that's brand new information, listeners. But like he did say when he was working for Slate that this no because like. People, people now realize this. When Facebook spent all that money on Instagram and WhatsApp, they were seen as bad business calls. And it actually, as Matthew Glacius said at the time, they were ingenious business calls because they stopped competition. They stopped in a no. They 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 cemented Facebook's position. Uh, and like, yeah, WhatsApp's great. Like, I, I, WhatsApp is invaluable. Um, but, 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 well, you know, like, it's, it, you know, ideally, it wouldn't be owned by um, Facebook. No, it's the honest answer. Um, but yeah, no, like, face, face, but Facebook as a platform is 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 kind of junk now. Like, I have like, put it this way, I don't think I'd set one up now. I didn't have one. But I have one, and it is useful in some circumstances. So it just retains enough use to not delete. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, I can't remember the last time I actually posted something on Facebook. I can't but remember. I, but, I, but I keep it because my brother and his partner, um, you know, post pictures of the kids on Facebook. Well, 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 can, can, sorry, before we bring in Simon, I know we've been talking for a while, but, like, the... This is the problem with Facebook is it's became the Muggles social network. Not to be uh, rude to your uh, your brother, because my sister's the same. It's became the social network for people who aren't into social media. Yeah, the, the only reason Nathan posts on Facebook is he knows mum and dad have Facebook accounts. Okay. So I'm not being rude to your brother. I'm being rude to your parents. parents. That's fine. Yeah. The yeah the, well, well, we just, actually, well, 
Yeah, my parents are boomers, just. Well, you'll remember, like, boomers in Britain is later than America. Yeah. Because our boom was in the 60s, which would be... Okay, well, in that case... The late 50s, uh, yeah. six, early 60s. That's yeah, that... my, both my parents were born in 1959. Yeah, so... I... This is like that they are boomers by by our definition. Okay, because we we because this is thing like we were broke after the Second World War, so there wasn't really a baby boom when people were having bread rationed for some reason. Guys, we're not America. <laughs> um. Anyway, the point I was going to make was is um, it's became the Muggle social net social network. You know, and and that's a problem because muggles don't spend much um, on designer goods, on vanity purchases, on luxury goods. You know, you want your people are really into being trendy and hip and young to um, be your social media users, and this is. This is why this whole metaverse stuff is going to be a disaster. Because, like, look, you know, I am not anyone's idea of being on the cutting edge of anything. But, like, I watch YouTube streams of video games. I occasionally watch Twitch streams of video games. I I subscribe to Xbox Game but I bought a console day one um within the past two years. You know, like I'm not the most cutting edge person, but I am reasonably no, like I am in I, I am probably one of the most deferred most cutting edge people when it comes to video games or stuff like this in the country. And I did get my stepson. A meta DVR uh, quest from Facebook, and he tried to he he got me to try and use it, and I could not work out what the fuck to do. Like I just like my brain, it is just not intuitive. And like you know, look, I can use um, an Echo, I can use a Chromecast can use a kindle fire you know it's not as if i'm a, i'm i'm like resistant to new technology indeed i force this new technology on people um and they may not always take to it the stuff facebook is doing with the metaverse this weird vr space people aren't going to accept it a because most of us don't want don't want it don't vibe with it and B, it's crap like it's not just that I'm old and became rigid in my ways there's nothing it is kind because you're old and oh, no, that, 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 that is part of it which is a problem because Facebook leans old and rigid but it's also that it's not good like I said like I got this fancy headset for my stepson he left it as his. He's left it as his uncle's for the past six months. Yeah, like, hey, like he's, he's not. He's not using it. Like, I honestly, 
if they don't pivot away from this at some point, they are going to destroy the company in a quite hilarious way. Sorry, they would destroy the company in quite a hilarious way if they weren't making money off the parts of the company where Zuckerberg doesn't get to influence it. Like, no, Snapchat, um, uh, WhatsApp. There's another one, uh, Instagram, you know. These are the things that are making meta money. Facebook and this metaverse stuff, you know, it is spunking money hand over fists. Simon, what do you think? There's, think, there's an image. Well, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not going to say too much about Meta. They're, they're, they're a client, and I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, it's fine. You, you can say we what you want. We should have mentioned. We probably should have had more of a preview about this. <laughs> um, but I, I, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to talk about Facebook as a business. But I, I think the metaverse is. I'm unconvinced by it so far for, for many of the reasons i think if it does exist i think it will not be in the sort of market that facebook is currently existing in because it seems to me that the metaverse i can see it being incredibly useful for i can see it being useful for training i can see it being useful in some sports and i can frankly see it being useful in adult content uh, so just to cycle back, circle back to the OnlyFans thing, none of which are what Facebook's sort of core brand proposition is, which is basically, you know, the social media network that everybody is on. Um, so I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I am curious. It is, it, it is the thing a lot of people, it, it's the, it is clearly the flavour of the month, the flavour of the year um, in a lot of, it's not even that. It's not even that. Like it's not the flavor of the month. Well, okay, but it, it is. It, it is, is certainly in some thing... circles, and I think no, 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 it's not. Like it's the thing Zuckerberg wants to do, but no one else is buying into it. Like even like in the again, this is where I. This is where like even though I am like uh, knuckle dragging the fandral, um. You know, the state of the art VR tech is Valve stuff, it's not Facebook stuff. That's why I mean, Facebook. I, I, meant, I meant the metaverse more broadly than, than Meta in particular. But, but, I but, think... but even the Meta, like, like, who is hot on the metaverse? Like, you know, like Meta has had to um, down, is keeping having to downgrade their estimates for use. The evidence they have is that people spend decreasing less time in it, um, that they are losing users. It's it's not flavor of the month. It is this is the thing Zuckerberg wants to do. Like, and I appreciate you, you you can't talk freely about this necessarily, but like it's not flavor of the month. This is very much top down. Zuckerberg thinks this is the future of, of the company. I, I think so. I think it's a bit more than that because I think there are in certainly in my industry, there are a lot of people in some ways scrabbling around trying to work out because Facebook is such a big player in this industry, um, in any communications industry, there are a lot of people kind of going, okay, what we what can we what can, you know, what can we do with this? How is this useful? But, that, and, but, that, but that's top down, Simon. That's Facebook is doing this. How do we pivot towards Facebook? There's no groundswell. It's not flavor of the month is 
there is a genuine organic surge towards technology. This is all, you know, well, Facebook does this, that creates a reaction. And actually, based on Facebook's size and the size of their investments, the reaction is shockingly bad. Because like one of the things is, so I, I will I know I've touched you, I'm sorry, Simon. But the one of the things is, is these virtual worlds do exist already. So um, you know, Fortnite. Um, you know the, the 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 really big massive multiplayer online games. You know, like I've been, like, I'm really looking forward to Street Fighter Six, and like Street Fighter Six basically has a version of the metaverse. Um, you know, in terms of you create, you know, w- when you register for, because I was watching people playing the the closed beta, which I did not get a chance to take part in. Which I'm very bitter about. Um, but you know, people had to create their own avatar and then they walked around a 3D space where they could um have friendly matches against other players, they could have ranked matches against other players, they could dance to music, they could um say hi to other players. <clears throat> they could go into e-shops and buy stuff for their avatar. They could go to a section where they could play old video games. Like it's the metaverse. Like it's ev- no, like it's everything you know. Like the metaverse is trying to do by one video game publisher in Japan. Um, you know, like this stuff already exists. It's already being done. Sorry, Simon. Well, I mean, that, I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting in and of itself. In that, you know, there are there are going. To, you know, this is this this technology can exist. It will change. I, 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 you know, not to not to sort of sound like Joe and Lai, and also because I think there's other things we want to talk about. But you know, I, I almost I do kind of think that it's probably too early to tell. Not whether you know whether perhaps it's not that Meta's experiment. You know, there are there are the Metaverse more broadly. There might there there there, there companies are doing this, and people I, I don't know yet. I think I, I I'm not I'm not as I'm not as skeptical of it as you are. That's all I'll say. All I'm going to say is, it is never too soon to make a hot take, and I called Netflix being a flop. No, I was right. That's I'm... that. That's your. That's your. That's your. Uh, that's on. That should be on your coat of arms, shouldn't it? Well, this and the anti the uh, the anti inflation the stuff this year. I mean, they're like the two takes I've gone wrong. No, 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 no. What I mean is, it's never too early for a take. No. Oh, yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. No. That. That's that. That's the motto Will lives by. Uh, any. Any idiots. <laughs> Can reach the right conclusion when all the evidence is in. <laughs> it takes a it takes a very stable genius to reach the right conclusion um, before all the evidence is in. But like you know, like I before before we move on, I'm not going to press time for any more because he has been very forthcoming. We probably wouldn't have done this item if we'd realised. Sorry, sir. Um, sorry. Sir. <laughs> we, 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 dumped, we dumped you in the soup without. Well, no, you did. Sorry. You would have wanted Forsters to do, start the podcast. Um, um, but no, this is not going to work. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it right now. It is not going to work. 
VR has been tried <laughs> numerous times. It, it 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 will never work. It is not. Um, it it's just not intuitive to people. It's too clunky. It's too weird. Most people don't like playing video games, and the people who like playing video games want to play better video games than Facebook can make. And Facebook is just completely out to lunch because every insight they have about what ordinary people want is is now is coming from this weird Howard Hughes figure that lives in his own fantasy land. The reality is the reason why Facebook worked is back when um, Mark Zuckerberg made it, he understood that what people wanted was ways to look at people they fancied and meet up with people they fancied, which is why the original Facebook was really intuitive, useful UI. He's now this freakazoid that wants to make us all live like as if we live in a fucking matrix where we're just strapped to our computers, which is fine, but his business model is completely based around people who just want to see what their grandchildren are and nieces and nephews are up to. So it's not going to work. He just needs to accept the fact that he is a really rich owner of a really boring company that allows old people to look at live, live produced family photo albums and stop pretending he's at the cutting edge of technology as he was when he let university students look at pictures of hot female uh, co-students. He should by grow up and get a life. By the way, my nieces and nephews are in Tunisia for the next fortnight. They're on holiday. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And you'll be able to follow it. Oh, oh, tell them, Simon. In the metaverse. You know, you can only follow their weird, freaky avatars with no legs in the metaverse. You can actually uh, see their actual photos on Facebook, which you don't have to buy a £300 headset for. Yeah, Archie's Archie's, Archie's been swimming. Uh, but of course, if, if Will is wrong, we'll meet you for the It Could Be Said Metaverse experience in 2025. <laughs> so, which uh, which evil tech corporation is Quasi Kwaitang going to shill for now that he's no well, longer... Well, uh, well based, based on the connections <laughs> the down the street chief of staff have, the Libyan regime. You know, this, the, there is the, there is that brilliant line in the thick of it. Uh, I think it may be my favourite line in the thick of it. It's not even Malcolm Tucker that says it. It's Terry. Where um, uh, I can't, I, I won't say the initial line that Jamie says because it's really offensive. But she goes, "Well done. That's offensive in a, that's offensive in a number of ways in a very concise <laughs> fashion." And I just feel like this government is like, "Well done." You've messed up in a number of different ways in a very, very concise fashion. It's almost <laughs> impressive. Hell, so, no, it's not almost impressive. It is impressive. So, so let, let, let's just... Can we sorry, just sorry, do some... Sorry, sorry. sorry. Before, yeah. before, before you come in, can we talk about anything that's actually germane to the thing we're going to talk about today um, at... What, uh, oh, my God, like 40 minutes into the podcast. Um, I, do, I do want to have a vent about Swella Braverman. 
Oh, can I just go and go and get the tin hat? Why do you need a tin hat? Well, I, I, I just feel, I just feel like the, you know, I just need, I just need to adopt the brace position for the rage that's going to come through my phone. Well, well it is like so, like Trevor Braverman today. Um, uh, so like Leicestershire Police. Uh, she's now actually forced Leicestershire Police to delete a tweet. Great, that's exactly what we want the Home Office to be doing. That's not worrying in any sense. So, Shwella Braveman has uh, said to a Leicestershire Police Force tweet talking about the importance of reporting hate crime. That <coughs> used an example of hate crime as a uh, trans woman <coughs> about their experience being dead naming. She said, this week I've seen confusion amongst police forces about what constitutes a hate crime. Voted commas. The police need to enforce actual laws and fight actual crimes. Freedom of speech must be protected and a proportion action approach must be taken. The police must have confidence in their police forces. This sort of thing undermines it. Senior police officers allowed this to happen can expect to have to explain to me why they're spending vital resources on politically correct campaigns. Common, hashtag common sense police for, police it. Like, look, the reality of the situation is here, right? The actual tweet that the sheer police put out, I think, was ill-advised in a sense that it talked about hate crimes rather than hate incidents. You know, I have been involved in setting up the type of website they're actually forwarding to. I helped set up the equivalent in Wolverhampton. And best practices, you talk about hate incidents, because what's hateful is broader than what's criminally hateful. But actually, it is not true to say that all examples of dead naming or misgendering aren't criminal offences. If they are, if that is evidence of aggravated physical assault, if that escalates to a point where it's aggravated verbal assault, that would count as a crime. Now, it's not the same as, say, um, uh, racial or religious, religiously motivated assault, where there's a specific crime related to the action. But that isn't what the umbrella category hate crime refers to. Hate crime is where there is a belief that there is the motive is aggravated. That no, this ordinary crime you're investigating has been inspired by some animus against somebody's demographic. But equally, I'm just so sick of people in this government acting like shit posters. Like, there's actually a lot going wrong with the police in this country. There's actually a lot going wrong. No, from like, you know, I'm not like a liberal. You know, I might have left-wing beliefs on some social issues, but I want a well-funded, comprehensive police force. You know, if only to like crack the heads of these Extinction Rebellion morons and the police aren't doing their job. And I would want the Home Secretary to not be trying to play to the gallery, this hateful gallery, 
by picking on, you know, literally 1% of the population amongst the most marginalised, vulnerable people in our society in this really disingenuous, hateful way, especially, especially when we have to put up with the minute, the minute any Tory woman gets criticised by their male colleagues or male journalists, it's like, oh, it's the mayor mansplaining to me. Oh, it's the public school boys talking down to me because I'm a woman from a thick part of the country. Grow the fuck up. Oh, I fucking hate this government. Sorry, Luke. Why are you apologising to me? <laughs> well, because I interrupted you. Well, I, I'm not sure. That, I'm not sure that you did actually. Um, but yeah, I, I just this is the this is the this is the thing, isn't it? It's like Suella Braverman couldn't be more obviously on manoeuvres if she walked around with a sign around her neck saying, "I want to be the next prime minister." And it's like Suella, no one is going to vote for this. No one wants that. No, no, there is like leaving us, leaving aside the fact that this is that leaving aside the fact that this is one of well, no, this is hate mongering. Let's uh, let's call it a spade a shovel. But there is no, there is no electoral advantage in the in these American in this American style culture wars. You just come. You just come across as nasty, and a little bit, and weirdly obsessed with minutiae. What, and what you... how he became Home Secretary is befuddling. Yeah, like, what... you weren't much of an attorney. You weren't much of an attorney general. No, she was a bad attorney general. Like, you wasn't like she was a much yeah. of what she was a bad. And you one. and you were one of the you were one of the worst. <laughs> You're one of the worst, the worst ERG headbangers when it came to getting a decent Brexit deal. I mean, I mean to be fair, in, in fairness to her, she did, she did torpedo a bad Indian free trade deal. So I'll give her that. Like, she did do that for us. Well, I would disagree with you there, but I think that's an issue for another podcast. Well, I, mean, I think it's actually part of it, because I think it's for the mess toys are in. I, I, I would say, while she may have torpedoed a good one in the fullness of time, I think Liz Truss was trying to sign a bad one to hit an artificial deadline. Mm. And that is no longer possible. Because, again, we, we've got to stop making this mistake. We are a services exporter. If you want us to become a goods exporter, you have to accept the period where we don't do that much trade with the rest of the world so we can build up our own industries. If you want to pivot immediately to free trade with the rest of the world after Brexit, you have to trade continued weakness in the manufacture of goods for greater access to services. And from the sounds of things, Liz Truss was about to sell out um um 
our services sectors for mean meaningless um uh, uh deals on um on goods just so she'd have something to triumph um but, but and i i not no just just to explain why because she was too focused on removing uh federal indian barriers to trade without realizing you also have to address the state barriers to trade as well so like like, like literally like even a scotch the scotch industry which on the surface would be the big, big, big beneficiary of the planned the proposed terms were like in the state they're in now these trading conditions are basically useless because yes the the the, the national barriers to us exporting have been removed but all the individual regu- regulatory issues that we will have in individual Indian provinces still remain. So we wouldn't be charged tariffs to export to India, but it still wouldn't be economical to export because, you know, it's it's all sorts of weird, wacky regulations to protect their own individual Scotch imitation manufacturing uh, manufacturing um uh, what do you think simon on this particular issue which is absolutely the key thing people are wondering when talking about british politics yeah it it is absolutely um i mean i think i mean i I know why braverman was appointed as home secretary which is that you know she was in the leadership she was in the leadership election um she was given a she was and she, she was given a job I don't think Liz Trust really cares about, but she knew she had to buy off the head-banging bit of the Conservative Party, and Braverman allowed allowed her to do that. It's absolutely clear that she doesn't that Trust doesn't trust Braverman. She's basically taken her out of any discussions on immigration. She's, you know, which is interesting to me. That, um, I know in the past we talked about you know making the saying the health department should be one of the big the great officers of state and which one do you replace it's obviously the home office because the home office you know was chopped in half by tony blair and it's just it's losing more and more it's kind of big state in place in british in british political life it is basically the immigration department now which is obviously a massive job and certainly it's a massive job post brexit but you know it is not that kind of sweeping department that essentially makes made it the sort of department of everything which it was before 2003 i think well, when they well, no they it, split. it was it was later than that i think it was like 2006 no i th- i think that i think they split the, it, it, anyway it was you know in the mid noughties no you're you're no you're wrong it's two i'm pretty sure it's 2006 um, um, you're going to give machine up, but, but what I'm going to say is this filleting away of the Home Office actually goes beyond that because you have to remember like the Home Office at one, the reason why it's called a Home Office is because it was a contrast to the Foreign Office mm. so like this gradual encroachment on the Home Office like in as recently <laughs> as the 80s it was responsible for the um, the telecommunications infrastructure. Yeah, um, I know. Um, and so, like, you know, it's, yeah, it's gradually filleted away. I mean, 
personally, I I never agreed with the division of um of of um policing at uh, sort of policing no, more broadly security and and uh, and legal issues because I think it creates this dynamic where you have a lock them up, uh, let them go. Um, actually, actually, you are both wrong. That seems well, that seems likely. Two thousand and seven. I'm closer. I'm closer. I, I, I must say, I, I apologise. I genuinely thought that the split with the Home Office had happened. I think what you're before... remembering, I think what you're remembering is reforms to Lord Chancellor. Yes, no, I am. That is exactly what. I, yeah, no, that is where, where, where the, where the creation of the. Uh, <laughs> Session of State of Constitutional Affairs which, <laughs> um, um, was created. Um, um, yeah. um, the but no the the point I was going to make was is um, this you know this this kind of narrowing of the Home Office has has occurred, and and the problem is actually is immigration shouldn't be in the security department. It creates a bad atmosphere to look at immigration. Mm. Personally, I would remerge justice and home affairs um, with sufficient protections, the stuff the Lord Chancellor used to do. And um, I would have, I would have a foreign office to refugees. Because if we're okay to send arms to a country, should we should be okay to send people back to them? Um, and that's both way, both ends of the telescope. If we can't send refuge, refugees back to them, then we can't send arms to them, and vice versa. Um, and that and that that may mean like things like, you know, we 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 can send them back with an electronic tag, so we can make sure they're okay. In return for getting you know, still being able to sell arms to them. Secondly, I would have the business department responsible for for visas for economic migrants um, based on economic need, and then the Home Office is only responsible. Actually, you know what? Maybe not even the Home Office. Maybe like environment you know local gov- uh, community local government they're responsible for like family reunification so on balance the home office shouldn't exist the home office as it currently exists shouldn't exist but basically no government department as it currently exists should exist because our current system doesn't work like i don't i like i i don't think the home office is unusual in being bad I think every government department is bad. Yeah, I think I think every government department is bad. Which is ironic actually, because I think all the part all the stuff that Parliament runs is really good. Like all the parliamentary library stuff is awesome. Maybe the speaker should be in charge of government. Yeah, this the select committee system is quite is reasonably rational. Um, no, I, I, I would push. Okay, okay, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna move into like talking about the actual issues at hand, guys. We've we've done like three podcasts about why this trust is shit. We 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 we're easing ourselves into it. Um, 
I mean, but, you, you think we're not going to have that many more opportunities, so... Yeah, well, yeah, quite. So, well, I mean, um, we're, we're, reco- we're, recording this, we're recording this on Sunday the 16th of, of October. Yes. Will has repeated, not once, but several times, said to me offline that he thinks she's going to be out of a job by close of business on Monday the 17th. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I have since... Tempered at by, I think she resigned by PMQs. The old reverse spirit begins. No, no, I've said that to you earlier today. But no, I, I see, I don't, I, I, I think having, having seen Jeremy Hunt's interview on Laura Koonsberg this morning, um, A, I don't, I think she'll get, I think she'll still be in post at the end of the month. And B, I don't think it matters. Because, like, some somebody, um, the, one of the most recent episodes of Coffee House Shots and The Spectator was saying, like, she's now the chairman um, and, and Hunt is now the chief executive of this government. But like, Hunt, Hunt can't be the chief executive. He's not good enough. This is why I... I yeah, but I, he's good at, he'll be good at, he's good enough to, get, to give this, 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 to give this another three weeks. I disagree. Well, surely, I mean... I kind of I kind of split the difference between the two of you because I think what matters is when you get a wave of polls in the next sort of 48 to 72 hours, if there's any indication of any kind of movement towards the Conservatives, she might last another couple of weeks. If there isn't, she'll be gone very, very quickly. I can't, and I can't, I might be wrong, but I watched, I watched, I mean, Hunt is, Hunt is a better, he's not like, we're, we're at the, you know, we are, we are picking through the dregs here, but Hunt is a better political communicator than Liz Truss. I mean. Yeah, but, but, but so is, so is a block of cheese. Yeah, I know, absolutely. But my, but I think the, but the problem was that the message he basically was giving was like, you know how austerity was quite unpleasant for quite a lot of people. Um, we're going to do that, but when you're all struggling with every single one of your bills going up, good luck, everyone. The 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 thing is, Liz Truss can't be prime minister. She's not good enough at it. No, but so I, but, 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 but here's the thing. But here's the thing. Like, sorry, sorry, Simon. Um, um, how dare you interrupt me? I would never do that, such a thing to anybody else on this podcast, and I've certainly not done it to you repeatedly on this show. <laughs> um, um, but they're like, like, it's fine to have somebody who's bad at like, I'm, I'm right, I'm currently in the process of writing an article for my Substack. Um, uh, it could be said.substack.com, uh, which I've not written for for a while for various reasons, but like. Looking at why this mistake happens, and one of the things I say in, in say, saying that is, is like, look, you know, like I joined the leadership campaign, said that this trust had less, no, list, no, no, to to this trust has that basically she has less charm, poise, and grace than Theresa May's Thunderbird puppet. Um. Like she can't communicate with the public, and the thing is, like that is like 
the most important job of the prime minister because yeah. that's the one thing you can't delegate to anybody else like you can literally delegate within the government to somebody else like you can have a cabinet office in full so you can have a deputy prime minister who does most of that work you know you can delegate great swathes of the work to your foreign secretary or your chancellor but you can't delegate being the person in charge that has to communicate to the government. Liz Truss has political skills. She wouldn't have became prime minister if she didn't have some skills. They're all internal machinations, sharp elbows type skills. They don't work if you have a lot of attention placed on you. And we are in a, the type of crisis where people are looking for routine updates from the Prime Minister, and she cannot do it. Like, not even to the same standard as Theresa May, which is this, this, pretty, this, like, this, honestly, like, people have broken their backs trying to do limbo to get as low as the standard set by Theresa May. Sorry, yeah. This is the thing. I, I, this is, this oh is my the god! Thing. I managed to interrupt both of you in one rant. That's like amazing. <laughs> no, I, I, think I am I, on top of my game. I think I interrupted you in fairness. So <laughs> the difference between, like, because the thing is, like, when it got to Brexit, Theresa May, I when it got to the sort of the height of the the Brexit uh, mess. I think Theresa May actually was as bad as Liz Truss. No, I don't. I don't agree. I, well, I let, never. Let, 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 I let am. Me, can, can anyway, let me finish his point. Let me finish. But actually, when when Theresa May was dealing with a subject she was comfortable with, i.e., when she was dealing with stuff that related to the Home Office, where she felt like she was on top of a brief. Actually, she was quite good at. Yeah, uh, she was actually quite good at you know being prime ministerial when she felt comfortable. Liz Truss is supposed to be, you know, a deep thinker on economics. <laughs> I mean, like literally, she wrote a book on this stuff. And, and she looks, and she looks. So uncomfortable. Like, it's quite astonishing just how frightened and small and uncomfortable she looks. I mean, that, that press conference, if you can call a four-minute statement followed, four by literally, followed by literally three questions, a press conference is one of the strangest things I've ever seen. See, this is something I was going to say to you. I'll bring Simon in. I'm going to, I'll be quick. I have more to say about this press conference. <laughs> but, like, I'm sorry, Luke. Theresa May never did anything as well as that. She just didn't. Like, even where, like, I, I, even... I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> going, no. out and slag, going out and slagging off Parliament when you need them to pass. No, 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 no. There may be. No, I, I think even that, because that was like last throw of the dice. Yeah. Like in terms of presentation, in terms of 
her delivery never anything but a that like maybe the party conference speech where mm. she was ill yeah um, but, then, uh, but, but, but she was, was ill there was, there was a reason there she was I, I like, and even that you know what you know like that was just unfortunate but like that i like again okay, because because it dragged on and i'm bringing something in the thing that was really worrying about that was is it shows that you know, she is in the same space Theresa May was, in the sense of not understanding the move she's trying to make. Because the, the the thing that is closest to that statement I've seen, which I again I don't think was as bad, was Theresa May, uh, Theresa May's U-turn on the um the. The the so the the dementia tax during the 2017 election campaign, I asked this. It had the same thing of you've been you've been forced to a U turn and you're trying to pretend you've not done a U turn, and and like the thing is like no, you're doing a U turn because your former policy was utterly toxic. You don't gain anything by pretending you're not doing a U-turn. Like, if, if anything, you want to pretend you've done more than a U-turn. Like, you want to really ram home to everybody watching this policy that you found really hateful. I absolutely double-dong-dang it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I've listened, I've learned, this is not going to happen. And she she can't do it. And I think the reason why she can't do it is she is so bad, the basic elements of being Prime Minister, the only reason you would have her be Prime Minister is if she's fulfilling the ideological pro- project. Like, okay, this is the best one we've got to achieve X, Y, Z, we really want to achieve X, Y, Z. Therefore, we will let this dingbat be Prime Minister. But the minute she's just going to actually do ABC, well, get somebody good in. I, before you come in, Luke, I'm, I'm going to bring Simon in because Simon's not talked for a while. Simon? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot. Like, I think this is the problem. I think it's very hard, it's very hard for her to say that she's rolled back on this because we are told this is a budget that she has been, you know, writing in her dream journal for the last 10 years or so so to basically turn up and go turns out guys everything i've ever actually believed in is slightly less popular than syphilis um so i'm not going to do it anymore um is important like they can't do it but i mean that that press conference was quite mind-bendingly remarkable i I mean it was just the worst piece of political because i i you know i had a late lunch and and it like it really it really does the only thing i would say that is that unlike the thing about theresa may's press conferences is that her press conferences that you'd think something would happen and nothing would happen but it would nothing would happen in a way that was sort of robotically weirdly reassuring because it was like oh nothing has happened again theresa may um liz truss is like she stands up she fundamentally changes policy and she doesn't have an answer. I mean, that that line of uh, that Krishna Guru Murthy basically went, "Are you not going to apologise?" Uh, 
it, it, it that felt to me that felt like the Doctor Who doesn't she look tired moment. You know, yeah. it feel it, it was an incredible piece of political theatre. Can I just before Luke comes in? Can I because I think one of you was saying about the polls. So we've got it was, a, it was you. Uh, so we've got an opium. Um, Oh, I, I haven't got a field date in front of me. Opinium, opium is something else entirely. An, an OPM wrote that song about heaven being a half pipe. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I went to a, 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 a sheesh uh, um, cafe uh, recently. It was, it was very pleasant. All right, get uh, to the point. So, uh, there, this is uh, using the MRP method. To estimate constituency level results. Oh, I love this. I love this already. Go on. Uh, so Labour would win 411 seats. Tories would end up at 137. Oh! Which would actually be the lowest if we count this. Uh, this is kind of the third Tory party. I, I think you'd have to go back to like the dissolution of the first Tory party to get lower. Yes, yeah, would... so, I mean, let, let's put that in context. 97, which was their worst... Um, 1997, which was their worst performance under universal suffrage, they got 165. And, like, weirdly, like, that was eerily similar, like, to 45 and... And 1910. And, uh, no, no, not 1910, 1906. 1906. 19, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 1910, 1910 is when they come back. Um, yeah, yeah. Really low. Lib Dems on thirty nine. That's quite high. And you like this one, Luke? S and P on thirty seven. I fucking told people oh! this. I fucking oh! told people you know, you, this. You know, you know what? You know what? If that election happened, if that if that result actually happened, I would be in such a weird place emotionally. No, I don't think you would. Be, I think you'd be happy. I don't, know. I, in, I don't like oh, the idea of Labour. No, 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 no. If that happened today, where it was Starmer replacing Liz Truss and the SNP got a really bloody nose, I don't think it'd be very difficult for you, to be honest. I think you'd be happy. Like, I, 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 I think if you were placed in the situation of an election campaign with Liz Truss and Kwasi <laughs> Kwarteng spouting this nonsense. If there, if there was an election campaign with Liz Truss, in, as the face of it, I don't think the Tories get 136. Well, no, no, that's that's fair. So, like, <laughs> but like apparently, like Jeremy Hunt, Jacob Street Morgan, Theresa Coffee would all lose their seats, including Boris Johnson. Oh yeah, no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I mean, Therese Coffee is the fun one because Suffolk Coastal, which is her seat, which um, is my seat, my grandma lives in, is the seat my parents lived in for a while until the boundary shifts. Shifts around about 2001. Like, that that was the sort of seat, I always call it a sack of potatoes constituency, i.e. you could put you could pin a blue rosette on a sack of potatoes and it would win a pretty sizable Conservative majority. Would those potatoes have been treated in some kind of antibiotic solution? Probably. Um, <laughs> I, I think it is, I mean, the thought that Suffolk Coastal might end up not being a Conservative seat is properly mind that one is properly mind blowing to me. So I'm just gonna check something one second. I mean but I was in can, can, can I can I can I just bring give you an idea of how dominant a victory that would be? Go on. So four hundred and eleven, right? 
Yeah. The national government in 35 got 429. <laughs> well, and Labour in 35 got 154. So the Tories would be the weakest opposition since the, 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 you know, basically the near end of parliamentary democracy in 1931. How many, how many, how many, I'm trying to remember, is that more Labour MP in this hypothetical situation? Is that more Labour MPs than were elected in 1907? Yes, I'm pretty sure. I just... You... It was. I'm gonna get. I've got. It was. They won 418 seats. I think. I think. I think this is off a smaller. I think this is based on new boundaries, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because that's yeah, a higher, a higher proportion. Yeah, that's a 659 seat parliament. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the point is, is obviously like that. The, the the Lib Dems would be higher because Lib Dem. No, Lib Dems would be low. I think they're going to be high as a proportion, and then the S the the SNP are obviously much way than they high, were. way higher in both measures. So, yeah. So, so Lou, do you want to tell me uh, uh, why Liz Truss is going to make it to the end of the uh, year? I didn't say she was going to make it to the end of the year. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Oh, the reverse ferret begins. No, it, when, did, when did I? No, because the, the point is, I think we can, I think we can, all, I think we can all agree. Let's just state for the record, Listrus is doomed. Oh my god, the hot takes keep flowing from the middle. Is, is, is there any dissension from the idea that Listrus is doomed? Do you want to call Lewis or shall I? <laughs> Sorry, if you're listening, Lewis. I'm sorry, but only your friends tell you the truth like this. <laughs> um, no, he, 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 I think he's in the. Uh, I think he's starting the, the grief process based on his Twitter. But, but what? But what's yet to be determined is it is the only thing keeping her in Downing Street. Is what is the mechanism to remove her? So well, because the, 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 mechanism, I, the mechanism to remove her is clear. No, 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 like the mechanism to remove her is clear. What I think you're about to say, which is right, is is the mechanism to replace her isn't clear. Because like, yeah, like you just you just you just bombard Graham Brady yeah. with letters and he will have to tell her, you know, this is not sustainable. The problem is okay, okay, you get rid of her. You go replace her with something that can uh, right the ship. Um, um, now, me and you have talked about this. So I want to get Simon's point of view as like the furthest away from being a conservative. Although actually, I I, I think I think I I definitely have beaten you, Simon, for anti-Tory treats this past month. I think Luke may have beaten you for anti-Tory treats. No, I don't. Uh, think, but, uh, they, don't they don't need the. They don't. I. 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 I believe you don't kick kick a man when he's down. <laughs> and, and I didn't think that. I. I know how powerful my tweets are, and so I didn't want to. You know, give her the final blow because as a someone who wants to see the largest Labour government possible, I want to see Liz Truss in power for as long as as physically possible. 
Um, but Simon, how, you know, based on your read of the situation, you know, as a PR strategist, no less, um, how would you get Liz Trust to Halloween? I, I think Halloween is, I think Halloween is doable because I think that there's going, because there's going to be this lovely, um, because there's going to be the reverse ferret budget. Um, you know, you say, you say like, look, this is not, this is not the time for, you know, we can't make, give, we can't have more uncertainty for the markets. We've got to give, Jer- you know, Jeremy Hunt the chance to rebuild all of that sort of stuff. Um, and that, that gets you to the 31st of October. What happens on November the 1st? I'm not sure. Because like that, uh, you know, because I, the, I mean, obviously this is all dependent on basically what happens on Monday, because if the market's having watched Jeremy Hunt's interview on Laura Kingsburg and the interviews he's done in the days since he became chancellor on Friday, if they don't believe it, it, the markets will probably the pound will probably fall, it start falling again. The gilts will start rising again. Um, but I, I, I think essentially, as I say, I think you keep her in this post, not because it's the right thing to do. Because you're right, like if you are basically having Liz Truss as a chairman and a hunt, gov- you know, and a hunt as a chief executive, you know, like that's the model at the moment. Then the answer, then, 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 you know, that's that's fine. She's not great at that but she is there you let that and so that what basically becomes the second budget of the year of the of her premiership because like the mini budget i'm sorry was not a mini budget it was a budget that didn't have ob didn't have an obr thing it was much more important than that um so there's that there's that i that's how I i think she ends up surviving by going by basically being by basically being almost calling herself now a safe pair of hands, you know, and 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 clinging to Jeremy Hunt, who you know, I, I mean, but again, it's one of those weird things with Hunt. Hunt, Hunt, you know, he was the establishment candidate against Boris Johnson in twenty sixteen. Um, I'd forgotten actually that he did he run in the most recent leadership election very early on. I mean, I did badly, I assume. He did very badly. I mean, but. I mean, the idea that this rather grey, rather unimpressive man, like, you know, I think he was a pretty mere culture secretary. He was a he was a health secretary. You know, but he is I think the problem is he is so bland that people kind of don't notice how you know destructive he's been. You know, he was, you know, there is a reason that he is not liked in you know most you know you you can't find a doctor or a nurse who has a nice thing to say about Hunt. now it's obviously difficult if you're a conservative health secretary but he he does have the ability to rub people up the wrong way and i don't know you know i don't know if if he'll survive as chancellor and how he'll do but that is the way that's the only way that she's going to i mean but also i just can't imagine like Imagine that she did what I think we'd all think of as the honourable thing and stepped out Downing Street tomorrow morning and went, okay, the game's up. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm resigning. I mean, you'd end up with, so you'd end up with Therese Coffee temporarily. But I think, you know, where, where that, where it goes after that, I mean, 
So I, I should say, look, when I say she'll be gone by 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 PMQ, I mean she'll have pre-announced her resignation. Right. Not, not not that she'll literally not be prime minister. No, no, I I know, but I don't I don't think. That so I, I I don't I... think there'll be an acting prime minister. I think um, if I, if I could outline the the what I think the big argument about getting rid of this trust now, which if there's anyone numerous in the Tory party, they will... They should quickly, be Chancellor of the Exchequer? Well, right, but they'll quickly be realising is interest rates are risk premiums. That's why you charge an interest rate. So, listeners, I often borrow money off Luke. Luke knows he'll get the money back from me within a, a couple of weeks. Therefore, he charges me no interest rate. Um, because you know he knows it's it's of no economic cost to him to lend me the money. The, well, the, well uh... you just save it, Luke. Um, but the riskier you seem, the bigger the risk that you may not end up paying back that money. Hence, why the interest rate increases, um, and this is no, this is why like payday loans. Payday loans are obviously a bad thing, you know. I, no, I've had experience with payday loans. I know our friend Steve has campaigned against them due to her personal experiences. But like, they weren't wrong to set those sky high interest rates because the loans they were loaning to people that were risky. The problem was is that. They were, they were, they, they were, they they were allowing themselves to offer loans to people who they knew couldn't repay back the loans. Um, you know, if if you wanted to, if you wanted them to reduce their interest rate, you had to find a way of making the actual loans less risky. Which is why I've always, I've said for a long time, there should be some sort of state backed payday loan facility now obviously with proper controls to make sure people don't abuse it but obviously you know if the state lo- makes you a payday loan it can always get the money back because it can just take it out of your next income um, 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 before you the money even hits your bank account and until this trust goes there is a risk premium above and beyond the underlying circumstances facing Britain in terms of the interests that people will charge or you know, in, in terms of buying government debt, there will be a downward pressure in terms of what they're willing to pay for British debt because Okay, let's trust is behaving reasonably, if she will. She may not be in government in a month's time. It could be Zuella Braverman as Prime Minister in a month's time. What the fuck happens then? Um, the Tory party is going to have to eat the most humiliating, disgusting, comprehensive mound of shit why do that twice 
because it doesn't make any sense to get somebody other than a chancellor appointed by the new prime minister to issue the next financial statement because whatever Jeremy Hunt gets Liz Truss to say, so whatever, sorry, whatever Jeremy Hunt gets Liz, Liz Truss to allow him to say will not be enough because she will try and restrict what he can say and the markets will know they can get him to do more they can so they can get the toy party to do more. So she has to go. And she has to go quickly. And to me, the mechanism that would follow would be she resigns on Monday or Tuesday. Um, you know, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, if she really wants to make this excruciating for herself. And then there's a week to get to 330 um, nominations. And the nomination process is the election. Um, Look, yeah, but a lot of, a lot of that is reasonable, but I think it is, we've learned this week, you know, when we talk about, you know, you've said this several times on Twitter that like the reality is that we, this is, this is teaching us the lesson that Jerry Paxman was right politicians are weird you know all of the reality tells us that Liz Truss must go all of the reality tells us that Liz Truss has stands no chance of winning an election all the reality tells us that this is doing damage to the country but in Liz Truss's head she's prime minister only 56 people have ever done that before she wants to do something you know she can't you know if she has her eye, you know, we are still 79 days away from the shortest, her not having the shortest term in British Prime Ministerial history. I believe, I don't believe that Liz Truss is someone who looks at the bigger picture. I'm not the person, you know, the reality is if Liz Truss doesn't want to resign, Liz Truss won't resign. She'll be forced to. The the, The reality of the situation is this is not sustainable. Everybody can see this is not sustainable. Everybody can see that her heart. This is what I'm saying. This is why Friday sealed her fate. Everybody can tell her heart is not set on the fiscal adjustment that is necessary. And so what is going to happen is the most almighty backlash over the next few days. The Bank of England has stopped. Go remember, the Bank of England has also stopped its guilt buying purchasing its guilt purchasing program. So you're you're already going to get a very nasty adjustment on Monday. You're now dealing with all this shit as well, um, and this is going to come to a crunch where she's going to be told you resign or we change the rules. You know, the Daily Mail and the Guardian are both reporting that more than 100 letters are into Graham Brady. You're already getting getting Tory MPs coming out saying she needs to go. But, But, okay. Okay. I can easily, I can easily see a world in which Graham Brady comes, goes to her, 
tomorrow afternoon or the next day and says, Prime Minister, this isn't tenable, this isn't sustainable. I've got like a third of the parliamentary party calling for you to resign or more than that. But then, because the one, the, one the one thing we know for an absolute fact about Graham Brady, and, you know, there is a, and this is a large part of the reason why he is chairman of the 1922 committee, this is a guy who is fundamentally risk-averse. So, my question is, is he really going to tear up the entire rule book for electing a conservative leader and impose by fiat an entirely new system. Now, technically, he can do that. Well, he can't do it. The the committee can do it. Yeah, the 1922 committee can do whatever the hell it wants. But I don't think... I'm not sure Graham Brady has the, the intestinal fortitude to do that. I, or to or to advocate for it, and if he doesn't advocate for it, it's not happening. It, it, I I think I think rightly, Graham Brady is being blamed by a lot of people for the mess the Toy Party is in. I think he is being blamed for allowing the membership round to go on for too long, <laughs> which meant the government. Um, yeah, would... but you. <laughs> In fairness, no, no, no. in fairness, you said it yourself. It couldn't have been much shorter than it was. It, it could have been a bit shorter, though. Like, it could have been a few No, no, weeks no. Of... You, you were saying at the time this was about as short as it could possibly be. Well, what I meant more in the sense of it should it, the parliamentary bit could have gone on longer. It could have been. I mean, yeah, you you are right to a certain extent in the sense of. I think I was I was more pushing back at people saying it was unreasonably long. It could have been a bit shorter. I think the bigger issue is he let the parliamentary bit go be too short. Anyway, this is this is by the point. Well, the point I was gonna make the point I was gonna make is, is that at some point. No, Graham Brady has what oversaw three failed Tory leadership elections. No, two, because he briefly thought he could be a replacement Theresa May. <laughs> so he, he 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 was not actually a, he was not actually presiding over that election campaign. At some point, People start to point fingers at the person winning the elections, or he keeps coming up with bad candidates. There are no good candidates, though. That's the problem. Um, okay, he keeps coming up with really, really bad candidates. Um, and so I, I think Graham Brady has consistently rushed a parliamentary schedule. Um, you look at both Labour and the Tories since hot membership ballots became a thing in the 90s. Anybody listening to this saying, oh, actually, Labour had electoral college in the 80s. Fuck off. That was delegates from the CLPs, trade unions. It wasn't the members of EVA actually voting. Um, you've, we've only had member votes for the two 
major parties since the 90s. Um, members tend to make up their mind very quickly. Um, 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 and so actually a very short member ballot and a longer MP ballot is essential because yeah, it's, it's actually and then, let, me, let me finish Luke it's actually the, mem- the MP's ballot where candidates are tested and um, um, put through the ringer and what Brady should have done he should have done one or two things and I, and I was saying this at the time this is not something I, that I've invented of whole cloth he should have either um he could have done he could have done one of three things one whacked up the thresholds really high um and had uh, and then wait like two weeks until the end of the parliamentary term to have the have votes on successive days. So let's say, I don't know, you set the threshold so high you could only have four candidates and you have a ballot on, sorry, say, say five candidates. And so you have a ballot on the Wednesday and a ballot on the Thursday before Parliament breaks. Or you um, you set the ballot so high in like each subsequent round so you very quickly get rid of no hope of candidates um so the successive round structure quickly gets you to the realistic candidates and then you put a break in or oh, and I've, I've thought this for a while for the Tory leadership camp elections they should just do an STV ballot, you know, like have like a two week pit, no, have a high threshold for nominations, then have the actual ballot take place two weeks after, and you actually have two weeks for all candidates get put through the ringer, and you do STV, or if not STV, subsequent ballots on the day. Because the problem is, it's the way they organized it. All the drama was about, all the interest was about which low-placed candidate was going to get eliminated each round, whereas the focus needs to be on the strength of the top candidates, which very, very, it didn't seem to me like MPs were really focusing on that. So you come in, Luke. But hang on, I'm, I'm, I'm confused here because... You said you said a moment ago that you think the Brady ought to, the, the like the threshold ought to be like three hundred and thirty, which is not a leadership election; it's a current age. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. So, so what 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 are what what are you what are you advocating here? Are you advocating that there is no? No, 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 no. I'm talking about I was, in terms of Brady being at fault. I was quite clear, Luke. You weren't paying attention. In terms of Brady being at fault. It was, he was at fault because of how he mismanaged the previous election. Right, but going forward, you're looking for a coronation, right? But this circumstance, yes. Yeah. Okay. And you, you, you engineered that yeah, yeah, yeah. by saying yeah. it's a 330 nomination threshold. Yeah. And then, okay. and then you give the parliamentary party a week to find somebody who can meet a 330 threshold. Right. Okay. So. 
because but that then relied that then relies on there being some such person who could command such broad support within the parliamentary conservative oh, I, party. Yeah, that's fine. And if there isn't, German election. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm the sick. I'm, party, I'm sick. The I'm sick. Is not going to allow a gen- any situation well, right no, now. No, the king, the king should day. call one. I'm sick of the country being ho- held hostage to the Tory party psychodrama. Fuck them. You find somebody among amongst your ranks who can get a bare a bare majority of parliament to pick them to be prime minister, and then you let them be prime minister, or fuck off and let somebody else do it. I'm absolutely sick of this country being held hostage to these bunch of idiots' is, um, feuds, dreams, rants, ravings, whatever. I'm abs- I've, I've had enough of it. They can think- fight. They have a week. They have a week to save their jobs. Jobs that pay a lot more than any of, any of us are paid. If they can't do it in a week, fuck them. Yeah, I think uh, this is well, the, the well, problem. The problem here is that, like, you know, I mean, maybe this is just me being naive, but like, this is the problem with having a monarchy: is that there isn't a backstop. Like, the idea that the that, you know, this is this is this is the this is the ingredients for a constitutional crisis. If you had an elected head of state where there were rules of like this is what this position, this is what this person can do, we probably this probably would all have been over and already all been over. But because we have this unelected system, you know, we, we basically have a system where the job of the head of state is to do nothing, and we need a head of state to do something, and so therefore, no, I, I don't think that's true actually, Simon, because we um we have a majoritarian government. We have a majoritarian parliamentary system. There'd be no reason for a president to intervene now because they haven't lost confidence in parliament. But, mm. but, wait, but, but you're just so you're so you because because you don't want the country to be held hostage to Tory psychodrama. You want to create the daddy of all psychodramas by having the king basically doing all of the... No, no, because I, I think the Tory party will find somebody. But, like, but like if they can't, they shouldn't, be, they shouldn't be in government. We should have an election. If they can't find somebody they can all agree on, a least worse candidate... They shouldn't be there. They like they shouldn't be in government. It, it's over. But but like that, this is where it's got like the only way. Given the Tory Party rulebook, the only way you can do it is to say to be nominated, you need three hundred and thirty MPs. I because like the country cannot. It cannot afford a prolonged period where the Tory party consults its members. It just can't. The MPs need to do it. But the way the Tory party rulebook works, it, 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 it just can't go through a full leadership process. It can't avoid it unless the, the 1922 committee abuses its uh, ability to set nomina- nomination thresholds. 
Like I, just that, don't, that's... I, I just don't think I just don't think the nineteen twenty two committee has got it in itself to do that. I think there's going to be a leadership election. There can't be. There, there cannot be a leadership election. They, they like the leadership election would mean we have no prime minister until Christmas. Like honestly, yeah, we 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 just cannot have this. We we need a new prime minister by Halloween, in my opinion. Ideally, ideally, we have a new prime minister by the next podcast. Given the fact that you're away at the weekend, Luke. Yeah, I I, I, li- I literally mean that. Like I I literally think if the Tory party has any concern. Yeah, the rest of us that unfortunately have to to share. They don't do that. We've seen that in the last, like, this. The Conservative I think Party that, cares. So, there might be some in the Conservative Party, yeah. but basically, this is now a party of false patriots and of, um, of, of people who just want to make money. This is not a party that gives a damn about about 95% of the people they, they seek to lead. And yeah, like, they're, they're disgusting. We, you know, they are appalled. This is an appalling party. It's a shattered, a shower of shit. But the reality is, that's who these people are. I just it. I, I put this on Twitter. Like, I have, I have made as somebody who is not a conservative, let alone a Tory, let alone a right winger. I made a lot of excuses for the Tory party, and maybe I was naive about the nature. But I just feel like it's like. You know when you have like a nice teacher that excuses the bad behaviour of a kid? Are they wrong? Or does ultimately the kid start living down to the reputation they have from the other children? Sorry, from the other teachers? And that maybe maybe there's something there that could be recovered, but like no, this 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 cannot continue. It cannot continue. You cannot reassure the markets when everybody knows the prime minister is going to go. Like that means more tax rises, more spending cuts, more lives ruined just because Liz Truss can't fuck off. No, no, she has this to is, go. This is the angriest you've been since the Dominic Cummings podcast. I've realised. I am angry. I, I can tell. I am angry. Like it's really annoying. It's really, really annoying. Um, I, I don't understand why she won't just go. Because they're weird. Because I know, politicians no, I, I do, are yeah, weird. You're right. Like you're right. You're right. Like I know. I know. But like, I mean, we've talked about this. I'm sure we talked about this before. But like, I remember getting that pa- that Jeremy Pax animal book when I was a teenager, and like, this is when I wanted someone to be a politician. And I really resented him saying politicians are weird. I thought that was everything that was wrong with Jeremy Paxman's approach to journalism. But you know what? He was really right, wasn't he? Because <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've never, unfortunately, I've never been in a position myself. But I have seen people be put into a job they're not qualified for, and then like have to just yeet themselves out of it after a month or two. 
and like I can appreciate how this is like an awful, terrifying thing for Listrus, but eat yourself out of it. <laughs> you know, like this is this is not working. By the way, I mean I've talked to Luke about this, Simon. I I didn't I, I predicted this would be bad. I, I predicted this, no I predicted this, this would be worse than people thought. But I think there's one piece of information I did not know. That if I knew this, I would have predicted how bad this was. Do you know the name of Listrus's youngest daughter? Oh, Liberty, isn't it? Which Rick, 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 Rick! You know, like the alarm emojis, red flag emojis, like oh my fucking god! I mean, yeah, she was. She's. I mean, it, it's. It says. I, as I'm going to keep saying, and I think this is going to be the Labour attack line. I mean, you know, this is not. You know, nobody in Labour should be should just be naive that they can win this because it's the Labour Party. And as as the brilliant Julia Blunt put on Twitter earlier in the week, Labour Labour's natural state is to lose elections, but some sometimes they that even even they fail to achieve that. Um but like the answer will be look, this is the kind of this is what they've got left after 12 years in after 12 years, 12 and a half years in power. I mean it's it's an absolutely it is an indictment of this party that this is what they've ended up with. Luke, as our... Uh... As the closest we they have to a supporter. Yeah. Um... Uh, I mean, don't... I am obviously, I think, as the last couple of podcasts have established, I am no fan of Liz Truss or the people around her. That said, I do consider myself, I still consider myself ideologically a Tory. And I use, and I'm careful to use the word Tory as opposed to um, conservative because they overlap, but they're not identical. Can I ask, like, how, are you not? Because I, I think, say, a Scottish person of your opinions back in the 50s or 60s would call themselves a unionist. Yeah, that's actually that's actually probably a better way of putting it. Yes, yeah. The, the, the capital, capital U, unionist. Yeah. And so I, I understand, I understand the frustration and I understand the anger that you've both expressed but I'm not I'm not prepared to label the entire Conservative Party in the way that you guys are No, 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 sorry Luke, just just to be clear like, my anger was if they can't agree a candidate to replace (laughs) this trust like, I, I it, it is very unfortunate how this trust became prime minister. But I, I, I understand the mistake. Like, it, it is um, Three Stooges type thing. 
It's a lot of small mistakes that ended up in this position, but it was a really big mistake. They can restore some honour yeah. by getting her out of here. And like when we get on to replaces her, we um you know, you'll hear me talk about why you're right. But no, you continue. Yeah, so I um so yeah, I mean I I really hope um the Conservative Party can pull it out, pull itself out of this mess. And the the first and principal thing it needs to do in order to do that is I mean, I think the more I think about it, the more I think Michael Gove absolutely nailed the fundamental problem with Liz Trust in a sentence, uh, which is that the, her plans were holiday from reality. Um, and I've always been like, if you were to if you were to sum up like my conservatism in a sentence, it's that great Ian McLeod quote. You know, uh, liberals dream their dreams, labor schemes its schemes, but we have work to do. And I think the 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 genius of the Conservative Party, when it's at its best, is that it deals with the re- it deals with hard political reality because it doesn't have it doesn't have at its heart a scheme of how society is, or it shouldn't. It, it shouldn't have at its heart a scheme of how society should theoretically be organised. It goes with the grain of history. That's what being a conservative is. And what, why I don't recognise the conservative party under Liz Truss. Liz Truss is an ideologue. And that, to me, stands at variance with what the conservative party should be. Well, I I would disagree with you slightly. I agree with almost all of that. Yeah, I I don't think it's actually an ideologue because I think everyone's an ideologue. Um, um, you know, it's the old Keynes line. You know, uh, every practical man is is a slave is a servant to some defunct economist. Um, oh. I think a very similar to what you were talking, and I I do like that quote. And I think that is true of the toy party's conception but i always like hb taylor's thing of that the toy party um no he was talking about how j.s mill called a toy party the stupid party yeah and like, well you can be stupid but sensible yeah likewise you can be clever but silly and liz trust maybe she's not clever but she's very very silly (laughs) Um, and I I I think this this is a really dark period in British history like I think this is the darkest period in British history I think this is darker than the IMF crisis because it's so unnecessary yeah it's so avoidable um, I think it's the darkest in Suez. Um, and and part of it was Liz Truss and Crazy Quantang had grown up in an environment where you wanted to be seen as radical 
And I think that's the most fundamentally unconservative thing about this government, which is why they have been um, completely prolaxed. Um, and this makes me reappreciate why Margaret Thatcher was so successful. And like, I, this is something I knew already, but it's like you just brought it back into my memory. Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher was a radical. Like, I think sometimes people go too far and they, they try and pretend she was this cautious politician that didn't want to do much. But she was somebody who did want to achieve radical ends, but was very careful about how she pursued them. But like that um taught no that Thatcher leadership in opposition. No, they were absolutely focused on working out yeah. how they would smash trade union power. Like, yeah, you know, they have... they did they did that they did the intellectual hard yards. No, yeah, Nicholas Rick Ridley, like just doing you know, an awful lot of work and working out how this would actually be able to be done. Um and then they came into government and but like they focus on the stuff that was most important to people before shifting to the stuff they cared about. And they brought all the party on. Like, you know, you people get like it was um Jim Pryor yeah. as um yeah. employment uh, secretary. Employment secretary, but then I think he was energy secretary during the miners' strike. He so was, like, yeah. So like, you know, they had the like the most left-wing member. Of the Tory Party, be the velvet glove for the Iron Fist, and they because like obviously like all the Tory Party was pissed off that the miners had beaten them in seventy four, and you know it sounds weird to say this now because it seems so ancient, but given the fact that people were more historically aware back then. You know, the events of 74 were very much seen in the context of 21, is it? The Red, was it Red Tuesday? Yeah. Um, Where the miners basically beat, beat the British government and got them to, sorry, not the government, but this is where mines were privately owned. They beat the mine owners and got them to agree to... Um, um, you know, eight hour day, wasn't it? Yeah, eight hour day, which led to paved the way for the general strike in 26. So, like, this this folk memory of the NUM as a shock troops of the union movement that could beat the could, could beat the Tories, could beat the government was there, and the Tory party's determination to beat the miners back was there. Um, but they bided their time, and this is where this is why the likes of Tony Ben respected Margaret Thatcher because they saw in her there was a whiff of the of Marxism, Leninism in Margaret Thatcher and the people around her. And then they bided their time. They they laid the groundwork. They put they put the work in the hard jars, as you say, Luke. And these dilettantes, 
they're no better than the idiots throwing oil at Picasso or throwing milk on some floor that earns less than they get from their parents um, every week. Um, they, they wanted to be seen as radicals. They don't want to put the hard work in. They want to have to think about the consequences of their actions. They want to have to think through their theory of change. They just wanted to go for the shiny, shiny of change, which for a Tory radical is, oh, you're just going to cut taxes. And when you, the more you think about it, the more it's like, this was lunacy. Like I'm, I'm writing an article at the moment for my Substack, and I'm like, you actually look at the, you look at the figures. Quetang was why Brexit meant looser fiscal policy to deal with the shocks. But that loose, sorry, sorry, loose economic policy to deal with the shocks. But that's happened already. No, we've had a massive devaluation in the value of the pound since uh, 2015. Uh, even more so from 2014, when this started being talked about um, as a thing. Um, you know, like literally a third of its value, a third of the pound's value has been lost since 2014, and like most of that was done before these recent convulsions. Um, but no one's updated the mental model of that. And the problem with that is, if you dare, and like obviously we've also had some fiscal loosening because of coronavirus and the energy crisis. The problem is, it's like, if you, after <clears throat> getting away with devaluing your currency by almost a third, indicate that you're preparing to go through another bout of economic loosening, it starts to seem like Britain's the type of country that just habitually devalues its current currency to get out of debt jams. And Luke, as a fiscal conservative amongst us, do you know what people do when they realize you're the type of country that devalues its currency to get out of debt jams? Yeah, they stop lending to <laughs> Well, they certainly start charging you more interest at the very, at the very least. Um, and this is why what they did was went down so badly. Quitang was right. Like his analysis was right in 2016, which seems to be the, the year that every MP stopped thinking about anything. What do you think, Simon? I think I think it's a slightly over I think Ian McLeod's I think the Ian McLeod quote is a little bit self-serving. Um, I think the idea that conservatives are not are unideological is has never really been true. I think they always have, certainly in post-war. Um, it, but you know, there is certainly something in that, and I think that it's it's a really interesting moment for Keir Starmer in terms of you know there are going to be a lot of people pushing him in a lot of different directions. We haven't mentioned the Labour Party yet. In that. But they are going to, you know, they are going to be seen as the, you know, they're now seen, I think, as the favourites for the next general election. 
they're going to be a lot of, and he clearly wants to print into a relatively unideological position. You know, of like we just need to get in there and clear it up, uh, which is a position I'm pretty sympathetic toward. But he's obviously going to find that more difficult because you know there will be people in the Labour Party who want something different. Um, it's interesting actually that we've not in all of these discussions mentioned Kwasi Kwarteng very much. Um, he is, um, and you mentioned Ian McLeod. Ian McLeod is the only person to have served less time as Chancellor than him, and and, <laughs> and, and he was hit with a heart attack. So, yeah. you know... By, um, by, by the way, this is a game we'll play on a different podcast, but Ian McLeod is always my answer for best Prime Minister that we never had. Yeah, I, I, I so I, I think what's fascinating is... Um, yeah. Do you, this is one of those things I find slightly... I looked this up because I was just... It's been 103 days since Rishi Sunak resigned as Chancellor. Yeah. We have had four chancellors in 103 days. That is not... That is not the economic policy and the economic position of a stable democracy. And I think... I, no, that, can, can I just, I'll let, you, I'll let yeah. you continue after this very quickly. Like, this is the unusual thing. We have had stints where prime ministers have rotated very quickly round. Like, even now, so the Tory policies have been in office for like 12, 12 years. They're still on pace with what they did in the 50s and 60s, where in, uh, uh, 12, in 13 years, they had four leaders. They're probably going to beat it by one. Well, they're going to beat it by one but they're also going to be in office for an extra year. Like, you know, you you can pick periods where you've had very rapid ch- changeover in prime ministers. What is really unusual is how rapidly senior cabinet ministers beneath prime minister have rotated. Um, because usually, um, no, that's a good note to give an example. Um, nine, 1920s, um, uh, uh, Baldwin takes over from Bonalore. Baldwin was Chancellor, he's the new Prime Minister. He appoints Neville Chamberlain as his Chancellor. Okay, Toy Party then loses Baldwin decides to have an election for no reason. He appoints uh, Donald appoints Snowden as his Chancellor. Baldwin then wins the subsequent election when Labour goes away after nine months. He actually offers a chat the Treasury back to Chamberlain, but Chamberlain chooses to go to Ministry of Health. Um, he appoints Winston Churchill, who had been uh, president of the Board of Trade back in the Liberal government, had been Home Secretary, had been at all sorts of positions. McDonald comes back in for in 29 as Prime Minister, brings back Snowden. Snowden stays on when the national government occurs after the election. Who does McDonald bring back as Chancellor? Neville Chamberlain. Um, so, like, 1920s along with 1970s would be the most chaotic periods in British politics in recent years. But actually, who was Chancellor? Was very consistent. Like likewise, you know, in you know, uh, in in the sixties, uh, Roy Jenkins, uh, 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 Jim Callahan, Ian McLeod, Anthony Barber, Dennis Healy. You know, that's that's only just more 
than this year. And it's probably not, it, it may well not, it may, this year may well equal it. You know, like, this is absurd. The Prime Minister stuff is overblown. We have had lots of Prime Ministers rotated around due to issues of parliamentary composition. But the churn beneath Prime Minister really is unprecedented. Sorry for, sorry for the interruption, Simon. No, no, it's, it's fine. But I think it's interesting. I mean, we haven't mentioned, I mean, Kwarteng, as I say, it's the second shortest serving chancellor in history. 38 days, 39 days it is. I mean, and I am interested, he hasn't said, I think there was a risk, and I'm interested, you know, that he might have, you know, given an interview to the Sunday Times, which could have destroyed Liz Trust. You know, actually, you know, if he, if he, you know, because his, 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 um, his 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 letter having been fired, which was, you know, um, and that's what happened by the way. He did not resign; he was fired um, by Liz Truss. Was a very was very much a. I still believe in this project. It's sad you don't, and you know, it it, it whole it, it was a it was not a it was not positive. I think we're, we're you know. Historical, as you know, historical fact fans, we are now, we're still, we are 79 days uh, from the Canning record, as I'm sticking to, you know, the Canning record for the shortest serving Prime Minister in British history, 119 days. So, uh, as, as of. And, and like um, Ian McLeod, he died. Yeah, let me be, yeah, we, we, we've talked a lot about George Canning. Um, well, more than any of us expected. Uh, uh, no, no, no can, we, can we just say, like, no, sorry, sorry, sorry Simon. Yeah. Again, again, to give Luke his due. You know, despite the fact that he may have got you sued by Nick Clegg. Um I I had a discussion with Luke about whether Liz Truss would beat out Al- Alec Douglas Who. I was like, no, that's not possible. Because like Alec Douglas Who in recent history is the shortest reigning prime minister. Yeah, I was like, no. Yeah, just under a year. Like, no, she she'll beat that. And you, Simon, you of the ante by looking yeah. at George Canning. And like it's looking if, harder and harder to see his record if, surviving. If, if you don't do it, Simon, I'm I'm gonna like dig out the first tweet you mentioned this because like you <laughs> I think you're gonna be like fully vindicated. Because I'm really cool. Yeah, I mean it, I think that so the canning, I mean it's also interestingly, uh, if as I think we Probably, I, if as I think we all expect, Liz Truss doesn't make it till New Year's Eve. Uh, this will be the fifth year in British political history that we've had three different Ooh. people be prime minister oh, in the same Simon, calendar quiz. year. Quiz. Yes, that as I've got the Wikipedia page of this up, and I so very so, so two 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 forms. Firstly, name the four other years since the establishment of the office of prime minister. Well, in you, you should do it by. Do it in alternate, so like let us each go. Because if there's five, oh no, sorry, there's four. Twenty twenty two could be the fifth. If there's four, so, so if there's four, then like yeah, we could do it in alternate. So, okay. like, I, uh, I'm bowing out because I, I have no, I have no earthly clue. I'm used to so so so, so 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 how, so how many prime ministers we're we looking for in a year? Three. So it has to be three different people. So for instance, 1922, when the year starts with Baldwin, has Ramsay McDonald for a period of time and Baldwin comes back, doesn't count. It's got to be three different people. It's happened four in four calendar years in British history. So do you want do you want the years or do you want the 
Do you want to guess the years? And All then... right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and get. Let me have a think. So, um, let me have a think. If not, we'll pivot back to you. Give me the years, and I'll guess. Um, oh my god, this is actually more difficult. It's, than in, I think. it's incredible. It is an incredibly difficult game. I will be fair here. You know, give me the years. Okay, the first year, and I'm going in in in, uh, in chronological is 1782. Well, I won't get that one. That, that's before so, my. So, so, so I'll do the first two because they're basically the same point. So, in 1782, it opens with Lord North. He then resigns in March. He's replaced by the Marquis of Rockingham, who run who runs until um, who runs until the first of July, and he is then replaced by the Earl of Shelburne. Who runs? Who who sees that at the end of the year? So three different people all all serve as prime minister in the year seventeen eighty two. And then the second year is seventeen eighty three, because the Earl of Shelburne survives until the twenty sixth of March. He is then replaced by the Duke, third Duke of Portland, who survives until the eighteenth of December. And then finally, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of this madness, we get another person we've all heard of, Pitt the Younger, who comes in on December the nineteenth, seventeen eighty three. Again, three different prime ministers, one calendar year. By the way, it has been said. Um... William Hague's biography of William Pitt Younger is really good. Yeah, it is. I agree with that. So it's that's really the good. first. So that's the first two. There are two other years in British political <laughs> history that have seen three prime ministers in the same calendar year. So, so give me the next one. I'll see if I can guess prime ministers. The next year. The next year in question is eighteen twenty-seven. No, again, it's still before my where my oh oh, uh, oh actually, so it'd be Canning. Yes, there we are, George Canning, April to August, eighteen twenty-seven. Is Grenville one? Uh, no. One of one of them is a very long one of one of the other because obviously you know you can start your premiership oh, so in one of these years and and you know or end it in one of these years. Uh, is well is Wellington one of them? No, nope. Wellington comes in in eighteen twenty-eight. And on January the twenty second, eighteen twenty eight, but the point still stands. So the, it's uh, the Lord Liverpool who has been. Oh, 18... okay. Because of course he does say so he's there from eighteen twelve to eighteen twenty seven, and then I mean I think the next one because yeah he only serves one hundred and thirty one days um, is Viscount Goodrich. Uh, yes. Because he's the one who's seen as the worst prime minister before Liz Truss, because he's he doesn't have the excuse of dying, unlike uh, yeah, Canning. unlike Canning. Yeah, if you if you if you exclude the people who die, he only serves one hundred and thirty-one days, but he serves a week into eighteen twenty-eight. Uh, so there is one more year. And what's the year? We see uh, it is eighteen thirty-four. Oh, um, so that would be Peel. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, I'm, I, I apologise for this. I, I got my stats wrong. There are actually four prime ministers in 1834. So 1834 oh and 1832 could actually meet each other. Yeah. So yes, Peel is correct. Peel comes into office on the 10th of December, 1834. Um. Oh my God. I'm going to have to remember. Like... I think you've probably heard of all four of these people. Aberdeen? No, Aberdeen's the 1850s because he's around the Crimean uh, War. Uh, oh, I, I'm you've, not... you, you've just mentioned one of the figures. 
Um, who did I mention? Tell, tell me who I mentioned. You've met no, come on, you've meant you've met, already mentioned. Oh, Wellington, the, yes, Duke of Wellington. Oh, care, yes, yes, in November yes because Peel, Peel was in Europe and it would take him like six weeks to get back. Now, to be fair, like that's a bit war doctor ish because it's not. It's not actually usually counted in the canon of British Prime Ministers. Like, like, technic- I, I think this does count as a free Prime Minister year. Fine. Um, 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 because, like, because, like, Wellington was, was Peel's deputy. Right. Uh, and so, like, he was minding the store. Um, um, be- yeah, I think, I think most. Uh, most records don't count that second. Okay, well, we, we I, I know, I know, Wikipedia, I know, Wikipedia does, but yeah, I think at the time it was understood as he's the acting prime minister, not the prime Robert minister. Peel, he's going okay, um, that's fine. So you've got the the last of the three 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 prime ministers to serve in eighteen thirty four. Who are Darby? the other two? Is there um, like a, a no, Lord not not, oh, not no. Derby. Oh, who who? Okay. Um. Okay. No, I'm going to give. I'm going to give. I can give you some clues on both of them. The first one is best known as now giving his name to a household product. That is used for what? Uh, it's a food stuff. Well, a drink technically. Oh. Don't know. Oh, great. Oh yes, 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 yes. And then yes. the second one is probably better known for being Victoria's first prime minister. Oh, um, um, Melbourne. Yeah, Viscount Melbourne, who serves from July to November eighteen thirty-four. I mean, the, the, like this is when, like this, 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 like my knowledge of like prime ministers kicks in with when modern politics begins in eighteen forty-six. No. Oh no! Sorry, no. Eighteen sixty-seven, not... where the Second Reform Act is passed, and we we get proper parliamentary government. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm very sorry. Yeah, they are all pre. They're very much no, 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 no. Because like, I, 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 I know, I know the ones like you have. Um, I, I can't remember who is before Derby, but it, uh, you you get the Tories come. You get a Liberal Prime Minister replaced by Derby in uh, sorry. Liberal, pre-liberal prime minister, like a Whig prime minister, replaced by Derby in um, 1866. Derby then dies um, in 1867, replaced by Disraeli. Then Gladstone, uh, Gladstone's liberals replaced Disraeli in 1868. So you have three prime ministers in three years. Yeah, you have the you have the really weird one um, after the 1885 election. Where Gladstone resigns in favour of Salisbury, Salisbury's ministry then falls. So Gladstone gets to become prime minister again. Gladstone's ministry then falls, and so then in eighteen eighty six you get a new election where Salisbury comes back into power. So you know you have quite a lot of changes of no, it's basically ping pong between two people. But you the, then the, have you then you have, have three in a year though. You don't get three no, 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 no. You don't get three in a year. year. You then have also the um, eighteen ninety four 
Um, so like you have uh, Gladstone replaced by Rosebery, who is then replaced by Salisbury in '95. So you know that there are that are and they actually actually this is a weird one. You know, people don't think this is a period of of uh, of instability. But in in the 1900s, you know, you go from Salisbury dying to be replaced by Balfour to uh, being replaced by Campbell Bannon, who then dies to be replaced by. We, he's replaced before he dies, but he's replaced because he's dying by Asquith. So you, know, you have a decade with four prime ministers, which actually by most standards is very turbulent. But it just it just happens it's very unusually for us, actually, because we've always been a country that had re- relatively youthful prime ministers. Um that just happened to be a period when we had two relatively old prime ministers um, in like in um, no nearby. So we had two two prime ministers. Bas- like Campbell Bannerman technically didn't die in office, but like he literally died in Downing Street. He was too ill <laughs> to be taken out of Downing Street. Um, 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 but yeah. That was really interesting. Now that 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 was a good quiz, Simon. Thank you. Okay, uh, and I so, think that's a lovely place to you know a lovely a, a quick. I always think end the evening with a quiz. I mean, I also oh, start the evening with a quiz, but that's you know neither here nor there. Well, I, I I would I would like to say before we end. I can't believe we're not talking about Quatang, um, given the length of this podcast, but. Um, uh, let's go. This is why I should host rather than leave it to Luke. Um, Luke, what do you think about Kutanga oh, Chancellor? I, I think uh, normally when you try and host, I'm more vigorous about taking it back from you. And I've, I've, I've just enjoyed that the new assignment host. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so, anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to say, what what do you make of our mate Quasi? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think we better just let sleeping dogs lie. To be honest, the question I was going to be at, uh, the question I want. Well, before, before you ask that, Simon, do you only thoughts about quasi? I mean, it's kind of not. It's kind of not worth it, really. I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine him getting a job back. Yeah, getting a job back senior in government again. It lasted for less than two months. He, he's whether whether how, whether he was instructed or whether it was his idea. His his his. His fiscal moment was dead on arrival. He's 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 gone. Now we have to just carry hope and carry, you know, hope to just carry hope that that we can pick up the tatters. I I think fundamentally, um, and I hope at some point he submits an issue about this. Like I said earlier, like fundamentally, his idea about loose, loose, having a loose economic policy as a response to Brexit was fine. But I, I don't understand. Other than that, he'd just been very busy. I don't understand why he hadn't noticed that already happened and so couldn't be repeated. But secondly, both him and Truss seem not to, um, understand the intersection, the interrelationship between fiscal and monetary policy. So, like, to me, um, 
there are two ways what they were trying to do would make sense. One is that you want inflation to be higher, which wouldn't make sense at this point in time because inflation was already high. Two, you want interest rates to go up, which also doesn't make sense because interest rates were already going up. So why did they want to do it? And I fear that they are two people are very American-pilled. And so they were kind of in hock to ideas of, you know, starve the beast. And it's like, it doesn't make sense in America because it's not worked in America, but it makes some sense in America because of how kludgy their system is and that you actually hit points where um, America realizes they need to cut the deficit and then all things come available in like a mad dash to achieve a bipartisan compromise to cut the deficit. The British government controls what happens. So if you want, you know, if you want to shrink the state, you just have to shrink the state. There's nobody you can force to do it. But equally, the other thing which I haven't talked about is, and I think we talked about it, but just to re-emphasize, I don't understand why so many Tories are buying into their opponents, particularly Brexit opponents, um, misleading the analysis of what's happened to the British economy. Um, I I think I saw the... uh, the IEA affiliated economists, woo, boogeyman. But they made the right point, though, using stuff that had been you know, produced from the World Bank. Britain's uh, uh, purchasing power parity uh, percentage of the German economy is exactly where it was in 2016, about 70%. Like, if you use nominal values, if you use values based on today's exchange rates, it looks like we've fallen behind Germany. But that's all due to the fact that our currency is depreciated. Um, but the currency depreciating is what Quatang wanted to happen. So why does that provoke a mad dash for growth? I I just don't think they thought it through. And I, I mean, I don't know if this is a question you're going to ask, Luke, but this is a question I'm going to ask, and then you can ask an extra one if you want to. Luke, who should be the next prime minister? That was going to be the question I was going to ask. Ah, we agree. Um, I th- I I've said this to you offline. I think it has to be Rishi Sunak. Um, for one reason, it's very rare in politics that anybody is proved as conclusively right as Rishi Sunak has been proven. Every criticism he made of Liz Truss's economic policies has come to pass. Um, so I really can't see past. I really can't see now whether it, if you ask me who will be prime minister, I think the answer is Rishi Sunak. Should he be prime minister? 
I'm not so sure. But like, if you're looking for a a candidate who get to that three thirty number, I can't really see beyond him, to be honest. Well, that's weird because I I think I'm almost reverse. Mm. Who do you think could be prime minister? Well, I mean, I think... you know, in terms of like, you know, you're not, you're, you, you, you... oh no, because you're saying we should like, a person. So who do you think should be prime minister? Probably Ben Wallace. See, like, I, I, ironically, I'm the reverse in the sense of I think there is a very real danger the Toy Party go for someone like Ben Wallace. <laughs> As a way of avoiding the issue, which is um, like, and like, this is not entirely true because obviously, seen that going a very bad campaign, um, and you know, did not hammer this as much as he should have because he, you know it just wasn't working. But if the Tory Party is going to tell itself a story, it's going to tell the country a story that may get it back. On an even keel, um, you know, it has to be you couldn't cope with your own failure, and so you came back to Rishi. Like that is story, and like because Labour supported so much of the budget, like this is a very definition of church, but uh, like you can have Rishi Sunak saying, uh, Labour, you actually supported almost all the measures of this budget that was so disastrous. What do you mean it was our party who delivered it? You still supported it. I didn't support it. Um, and so, like, I think Rishi could be the person who draws a clear line under what has happened. Um, likewise, just the fact that the Tory party agrees to allow Rishi to become prime minister signals they are willing to actually do the hard yards necessary to make the next two years of government somewhat respectable. There is no point in half measures at this point. Back in, like, obviously on the podcast, me and you, Luke, were both supporters of the idea of Ben Wallace. Because at that point, what the Tory party was trying to do was divorce a successful political, a hitherto political strategy from a newly toxic leader. Now they are looking to make clear that they have repudiated not only a toxic leader, but a toxic political and economic strategy. Now, Ben Wallace supported Liz Truss for Prime Minister. He's, no, he's been in Cabinet during all this time and not criticised her economic policies. No. no. The Toy Party doesn't need unity at this point. It needs clarity. If that means 30 people have to have the whip withdrawn when they vote against a tax raise and budget, so be it. You know, like, no, this... this this is the position the Tory party has found itself in. I can, uh, certainly, I can certainly see the logic of that. So I think it's it's Rishi or bust. Like if, if they every every input in the Tory party 
that means they can't make Rishi, uh, Rishi Sunak the next prime minister. Are the impulses that mean this new prime minister won't work? And either we have like, the most almighty economic meltdown or we are hurtled into, a, into an election very early next year. Uh, what do you think, Simon? I... I don't think it'll be, I don't think it should be Ben Wallace for different reasons, which is one of the problems we've had with Liz Truss is that she was in departments. We talked about this, like she was in departments that were, you know, basically not public, public facing, you know, international trade, foreign office, blah, 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 blah. Ben Wallace is the same. We have no idea how good this man is about communicating stuff. Like as defense secretary, no, like I'm not, criticising his role as defence secretary around Ukraine. He's done a very good job, and he may be very good at talking to international leaders. We don't know how good he is at standing in a podium. And, you know, and we've said throughout this, that's going to be a really important part of this of, of, the, of the Prime Minister over the next year. It's going to be standing, sat standing in front of a podium or sitting in behind a desk in Downing Street going, there's some really tough decisions to be made. We've got to try and stick through this, blah, 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 blah. We don't know if Ben Wallace is any good at that. We can't afford, as a country, and the Conservative Party can't afford, an unknown quantity. Yeah, Ben Wallace might be great at it, but he might not be. We don't know. Um, Sunak, I think, I don't think, I don't think that my sense from, let's be honest, from the spectator is that there isn't the, the there isn't the mood in the parliamentary party for spec for um Sunak. They don't they don't like him. They thought he was, you know, they thought he was their way to win, but I'm not sure they they don't they don't like him now maybe like Boris Johnson that they go well we don't like you but you're our only hope but in that case I mean this is the problem right this is a it, the, the dregs we are the absolute dregs I was I was just going through the you know the British the the, the last cabinet so not not trust's cabinet because I think that's I, I it, they're they're really there's I mean you know, if you want someone who isn't infected by both Boris Johnson and Alice, because they're both they're both bad, right? That's an important point. They're both bad for different reasons. Like in terms of, you end up probably with. I mean, if 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 this is going to die, I mean, the obvious choice will be Jeremy Hunt because. Oh, no, okay, yeah, no, but the point is like everything if they're not going to say if they're not going to hand this to sunak and i'm not sure they are they might just be you know they might just be willing to you know hand it to someone like hunt who has he got 20 he got like 20 mps and some of them were like nominated i'm sorry i don't understand how these ideas came across that he's a big beast that he's good he he was he was lucky to say he was lucky enough to be fired as culture secretary, given his links with the Murdoch operation. Um, he was a toxically unpopular um, business, uh, sorry, health secretary. Um, you know, like epically unpopular. Um, no, like comparable with Listrus now. Which is pretty heavy stuff to say, mm. and he was a useless foreign secretary that somehow managed to misremember his wife's nationality. And as you know, like you know, people have 
people have praised him for being a select committee chair. First of all, being a select committee chair is a really easy job. But second of all, he was a crap select committee chair. You know, he 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 was all over the place over COVID, partially because he was torn between his desire to get back into cabinet and also the realization that a lot of the issues that were that were that a lot of the problems of our response to COVID were due to his mismanagement of the health service. Um, you know, like he, le- I, I, I think I, I think I read somewhere like when he left the cabinet in 2019, his approval rating was a minus 49%. But I think, I mean, this is... I mean, this trust is, is minus 54. Yeah. No, I mean, I... I, I if, if, okay, if not, if not, I mean, if, 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 if the Conservative Party looks itself, has a long look, has a long look in the mirror and goes... Okay, fine. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get. We, it's going to be Rishi or bust. Then it'll be Rishi. But if not, I mean, it. It's gonna be. There just isn't anyone good. I'm not convinced. Sunak's brilliant. I mean, you know, when when he was he was very pop. He was very popular when he was giving everybody lots of money due, during COVID. And well, that's you know, which is the easiest thing in the world to do. But when when things were getting when the going was getting tough, when he was making the difficult calls. I'm not convinced. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I I I think this is there. Is, there is no one. I mean, unless unless you're going to push the button that says Michael Gove. I mean, no, Gove is even worse because Gove again is again like what is the point of it? It's all obsessing about polls if we don't read them. Like the they they Gove is important. Like, I'm not saying he. I think he's overrated as a like an administrator. But I get he is somebody who can be can do good stuff in, in the right role. And I think a lot of Boris Johnson's fall from grace was was entangled with moving Michael Gove from his uh cabinet enforcer role. But like the the own like he had a brief stint at justice, which you know completely ob- obscured by the referendum. Toxically unpopular with farmers, toxically unpopular with doctors, uh, sorry, um, with teachers. He's not popular. Like, I'm sorry, like, you can be a, you can be a, yeah, no, a, no, good, I... a good, a good minister. Again, like, I think goes overrated, but you can be a good minister, you can do stuff. But to be Prime Minister, you have to be somebody that can be popular, that can talk to people in a way they they appreciate. Um, he is not one. The only person that has talked to the British public for a prolonged period, and the British public has liked what they're hearing, is Rishi Sunak. That, yeah. I mean, like, you know, like, like, I was saying to Luke, like I was saying the exact same thing as you, Simon, to Luke. I say to Luke uh, when he was saying uh, it has to be Rishi Sunak. The Toy Party won't wear it. The Toy Party will divide. Won't accept Rishi Sunak. And this is why I've came to the point where, like, look, if they will not have their come to Rishi moment and accept that you know he is as close to a savior as they can find. 
then they have to fuck off. Because that is the only way we get through the next two years with them in government in a somewhat sane way. I, 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 the input, because the thing is, what needs to happen is that the peep, the impulses that led to the Tory party making this trust prime minister have to be shown up to be wrong and we all laugh at the freak and picking anybody other than Sunak is indulging these fantasists but I think that's exactly what I ex- assume they'll probably do. Anyway, we've been talking for ages, and we're not we're going around around circles. So I so, think that he's been Simon Harvey. I've been Will calling Luke. Any final thoughts? Yeah, we didn't have a bombshell to end on. And that Luke is, is the, bomb- the bombshell. I <laughs> talk to you again. In a while. Luke Vamp, I'm trying to find how I turn off the recording. Play me off, Johnny. And that is Nuff Tune, Bombshell.